0: Hello and a big warm welcome to you and welcome to the Aware Parenting Podcast. My name is Marion Rose, PhD and today I'm talking all about mainly the difference between relaxation and dissociation. Now I have mentioned these in some of the other episodes in the sleep series. By the way, are you loving this sleep series? I am loving it so so much. There are still a few more to come. We're kind of moving towards the tail end of this series. I have enjoyed it so much and I've been loving hearing from so many of you saying how much you've enjoyed it too. So yum. I wonder if you can also hear some puppies snoring in the background. I love that almost every time I go to record the sleep series there are snoring puppies in the background. I'm so willing for you to be having lots of lovely rest and sleep and I wonder if this episode might support that. So I would love to talk a little bit first about stress and trauma and the fight, flight, freeze response. So as you probably know, Aware Parenting is really based on the understanding that our bodies are so wise. We are so wise. We have such innate wisdom. And one of those amazing things parts of our innate wisdom are that if we experience something that is threatening to us in some way that we will move into the fight flight freeze response so all kinds of amazing physiological things that happen to support that so for fight or flight basically all the energy gets mobilized to be able to either fight or flee so you know the blood flow to the arms and to the legs and away from things that aren't necessary at times at that, like digestion. Let's talk about babies and children here, because that's what we're really focusing on with sleep in this sleep series. So if you think about the fight-flight response, and again, this is anything that a baby or child experiences as threatening. So if you listen to the episode where I talked to Claire Louise Bromley, she was suggesting that in our modern-day world... That can happen many, 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 many times a day. So if you think about a baby or child, in our modern lives, even if we're doing everything we can to meet their needs, it's really usual for them to have feelings if they go out in the car or if they go to a busy place or just all the the things that we do in our day-to-day lives can be stressful for babies and for children. And basically, the younger they are, not only the more stressful it will be, but the less likely that the fight-flight response is going to be helpful. So this is where the the freeze response comes in. And in aware parenting, we tend to call that dissociation rather than freeze. And likewise, instead of fight-flight, we tend to talk about hyperarousal. So rather than fight, flight, freeze, we will tend to talk about hyperarousal or dissociation as these two main states that babies and children can move into when something's happening that is threatening that to them in some way. So if you think about it, the younger a child is, and particularly for babies, the less likely the fight, flight response is going to be very helpful for them. If you think about it, A baby who's not yet able to crawl. The flight response isn't, isn't, there's not a lot they can do there. They can't really get away. And the fight response isn't going to be that helpful. But of course, if perhaps your baby has had a medical procedure and you might have seen them actually engaged in that, they will still engage in that fight. But they will often need to move into freeze or dissociation more quickly. Now, that's a really important thing to hold in mind that babies can more easily move into dissociation rather than hyperarousal. So I will talk a little bit about what happens physiologically with dissociation, because I think it, it does help understand more about what's going on so often with sleep. So dissociation involves the parasympathetic nervous system, which basically reduces the heart rate and blood pressure. And there are endorphins, which basically numb physical and emotional pain. Sometimes it can be even like it can be pleasant. Dissociation can be a pleasant experience. So that's something I really want to invite you to hold in mind and if you think about it there can be a spectrum of dissociation from really mild dissociation on one end to more extreme dissociation on the other end so often what we're talking about in terms of sleep from an aware parenting lens seeing what often is happening when babies and children are waking up a lot and how dissociation might be involved we're generally talking about mild dissociation so i really want to again name that And, you know, if we were to think about it for adults, even kind of daydreaming, we could see that as a mild form of dissociation. So why does dissociation happen? So again, if we're looking at this amazing wisdom of our bodies, there are various things that happen with dissociation, one of them being stillness. So again, you might see that and if you've seen any research in babies. So for example, there used to be something called the still face experiment, which was talked about a lot when I was doing my PhD back in the early 90s. And what we would often see in that kind of research is babies initially protesting. So, for example, if a parent had a still face, protesting, trying to get the attention of the parent and then giving up. So if we think about it, there's that initial fight-flight response. And then when it it becomes apparent that that isn't going to bring about safety or at the deepest level survival, dissociation is the next thing that happens. And stillness is one of the core elements of it. And if you think about it, again, if we go back to our, our roots, thinking about the evolutionary perspective, as we did in that episode with Claire Louise, Why is that helpful? Well it conserves energy particularly if fighting or fleeing does become possible which is why despite the stillness there are still high levels of cortisol and adrenaline in the body so that if flight does become possible that energy is there ready to run which is why it's again it's very different from relaxation and we're going to talk more about that and again, if you think about it in animals, if an animal is in that freeze state, it can be protective as well because it, it might be there less likely to be noticed, but also perhaps a predator might think they're actually already dead and thus perhaps not so healthy to eat. So if you think about it really being that protective survival response, What else is there? There's that numbness that we talked about already. So again, that's obviously protective. So there's less physical and emotional pain. So if there is something that's really terrible going to happen, our bodies have already put in place the numbness so that it's going to be less painful. But also, again, if there's some possibility to flee that despite pain, that's going to still be in place. So again, I really want to say that dissociation can, especially mild dissociation, it can feel pleasant. And I imagine we all experience that if you just like, oh, I want to, I don't know, read a novel and eat some chocolate at the same time. Or, you know, for you, it might be um, having a glass of wine and watching Netflix. These are kinds of things. These can be relatively pleasant states. However, what I'd love to invite you to hold in mind is there's that quality of stillness, but those stress hormones are still sitting in the body. And that's really significant in terms of sleep. So let's think more then. How might we tell that a baby or child is dissociated? So there are a number of different ways that we could do that. And again, I'm going to be inviting you to hold this in mind, thinking about sleep so stillness might be one of those things, muscle tension might be another thing that we might notice because again remember despite the stillness there's still that readiness to fight or flee at any moment. In the eyes that might be kind of a glazed look and there's a quietness so obviously that's to avoid detection. So let's have a little think about sleep so, in order to be able to sleep, babies and children need to be in a in a still enough state, and we could say relaxation, but I'm not going to say relaxation. They need to be, yeah, still enough basically to be able to shift into that different state of consciousness that is sleep. And sleep is so essential for our well being. Again, I keep mentioning the episode with Claire Louise. If you haven't listened to it, I really highly recommend it. Where she was talking so much about because sleep is so essential. Again, our incredibly wise bodies, for evolutionary reasons, of course, have found ways to sleep, even when that sleep might not be most optimal. And again, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in terms of the difference between mild dissociation and true relaxation. And again, really remembering, unless this is new to you, that from an aware parenting perspective, babies and children, well, all humans, but we're focusing on babies and children here, not only have this amazing fight, flight, freeze response, the ability to move into hyperarousal dissociation when there's a threat, they also have the ability to move out of that state when the threat has gone they have this innate healing response which is also the same as their innate relaxation response and this is the way in which they actually release stress and trauma that occurred or the stressful or traumatic experiences that occurred and the effects of that they actually release that tension from the body. And there are two main ways that that happens. The first is through crying and raging, along with vigorous movement. So again, if you think about that vigorous movement being the release of the tension that was mobilized to fight or flee. But the most important thing of that is whilst they are safe in the present, they're supported, they're heard. So of course, for a baby, that would always be crying in loving arms. For a child, they would always be with an adult present. So for the the process to be healing, they need to know that they are safe in the here and now. Otherwise, there's just more stress, just more trauma. So there's the safety in the present and the crying and raging along with that vigorous movement to release all that tension that was mobilized to fight or flee to release that sound that might have been mobilized, to yell out, to really release that tension from the body that, that wasn't released at the time. So that's one of the ways. And the other way, which is also so important, which is laughter and play, with us, again, with the support and presence of an adult. In Aware Parenting, we talk about particular forms of play, which are all under the umbrella of attachment play. So these two main key ways that we have inbuilt within us right from birth to heal from stress and trauma. Happen at all particular times, one of the key times they happen are when babies and children are tired. Why is that? Because it's part of that innate relaxation response, because when is it important? for babies and children to feel relaxed when they need to sleep. So again, if you think about this incredible in-bit wisdom, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? And it really reframes some of the things that have been called things like the witching hour or cluster feeding or rambunctious children at bedtime. In where parenting, what we're doing is really looking through this lens of trust and to trust that babies and children are naturally trying to release stress and trauma from their bodies before bed. So that they can feel relaxed enough to sleep restfully and restoratively. I'm just going to move Buddha the French because he's snoring very, very loudly now and I'm concerned it might be just not most optimal for your listening pleasure. I'll be right back. I've just moved his head a little bit, so hopefully that'll be a bit quieter. Rightio, so that reframing. So what we're doing here is seeing that there are these innate processes. And what we're often taught in this culture, because we're not taught about these innate processes or these innate responses, we're often working against them, as we've talked about a lot through this sleep series and so what the invitation is with aware parenting is if this resonates is to notice the ways that we might be unwittingly working against that natural relaxation response where we might be actually trying to bypass it and wherever possible seeing if rather than bypassing it in that way we might actually cooperate with that process so for a baby that might be being present and being still and holding them in our loving arms whilst all their needs are met and rather than doing other things like jiggling or rocking or bouncing those kinds of things simply being present and saying I'm right here with you sweetheart and I'm listening and would you like to tell me all about your day and actually supporting them through that natural relaxation response of them expressing their feelings in our loving arms that might be if a toddler is being really playful joining in with them joining in with the play being rambunctious and bringing in attachment play to add to that and the the powerfulness of that so they're laughing and laughing without tickling again they're releasing stress and tension from their bodies and in fact I, There was a lovely response to a post on Instagram from someone who basically said they couldn't believe it, but they had a go of really diving in deep to the play and found that their little one who often took an hour to go to sleep, I think that was what they said, just after the the big play, just drifted off to sleep in about five minutes and the incredulity of it. These natural relaxation responses are so powerful and I've seen this just so many times, parents being incredulous, like really, I've been spending all this time trying to calm them down where actually what was required was, in this case, to join in with the play or to to listen to the big feelings. So another way we might... Cooperate with this natural process is lovingly supporting a toddler or an an older child having a tantrum over an apparently small thing. Again, they're expressing about that idea of a tantrum, expressing all that big fight, flight energy through that vigorous movement, through the crying and raging, but without throwing or pushing or any of those things. Because if a child is doing any of those, we know that that's the time to offer a loving limit. And that might be also if they're trying to distract themselves with books, more books, or just they want a bazillion things and actually none of it's meeting their needs and they're still agitated. And we see that they're trying to distract themselves from those feelings often, unfortunately, because we've taught them to do that moving in with that beautiful loving limit not willing to read any more books now sweetheart and i'm right here and i'm listening and they can have a big rage and cry apparently in response to the book reading but really what they're doing is expressing all the feelings that they felt over the day all the things that they've experienced their beautiful little hearts have have gone through children are so deeply affected by so many things So really supporting those natural relaxation processes, the healing that happens naturally. And so the more we're able to do that, the larger the percentage of feelings they get to express, the larger the percentage of that tension built up from the fight-flight-freeze response they get to express. And the larger percentage they get to express... Of those feelings that have accumulated they move into a more deeper state of true relaxation and this deep relaxation that comes through working with and cooperating with their innate relaxation and healing response is quite different from the state that comes if we try to distract them from the laughter and play or we try to distract them from the crying and raging and in our culture that's what we're taught to do. We're taught at, at bedtime you know, if a child's getting playful to try to calm them down or if a child is crying over something apparently small to try to calm them down or if a baby when all their needs are met and they're being held in loving arms and they've been fed and they've been changed. If you're doing EC they've had a wee, a poo, they're, they're you know the temperature's out, all the things to then do other things, whether that's the jiggling, and the rocking, the bouncing, all the things that we get taught to do. From an aware parenting perspective, when we go back to thinking about dissociation and relaxation, we can see that some of those things are creating a form of mild dissociation rather than a deep sense of relaxation. We can see that too in the forms of parenting that invite giving dummies or what is often called things like self-settling or self-soothing, which aren't terms used in aware parenting. So basically trying to get babies to go to sleep on their own. So all of these different things we would see as possibly creating mild forms of dissociation. So how can we tell the difference between relaxation and mild dissociation? And what does it matter anyway? How does it it affect sleep? I'm going to suggest that it does. So let's go back to that list that we were talking about. And again, the dog is snoring so loudly. I'm just going to move him again. I think there could be some comedy outtakes of the amount of funny things that happen when I'm recording this podcast. Right here, let's go back to the list. Stillness. So let's think about the two things with dissociation, even, and again, even mild dissociation. And I want to remind you, it can be quite pleasant. So, with dissociation, there can be a stillness, but there's a kind of, you know, if you think about that frozen tension quality to the stillness. Whereas with true relaxation, what we can see is there's a, there's kind of more of a fluidity or a relaxedness about it. It doesn't have that tense quality. If we think about muscles with dissociation, there's muscle tension. So we can feel that, we can really feel that if we're holding our baby or cuddling up with our child, we can really feel that tension in their bodies, and we might also be able to see that, so their hands might possibly be in fists, they might have their eyebrows quite tensed up, you know, that area above their eyes might be quite tense, or they're around their mouth area, you might see that muscle tension. The more relaxed a baby or child is through, I'm going to suggest through really working with that natural relaxation response, we're going to to feel and see their muscles being more relaxed so that can mean having open arms open hands You can often see it in their face there's this sense of relaxed muscles and if you're holding them or lying next to them you can really feel that quality in their muscles it's almost as if you were whilst they're sleeping if you were to pick up their hand just a tiny way and just gently to let it go it would just fall freely there's just this kind of floppy (laughs) relaxation with their eyes whilst they're still awake with dissociation there's more of a kind of glazed look to their eyes a kind of I don't know if this term's even used anymore being spaced out the kind of spaced outness Whereas with true relaxation, there tends to be a quality of presence, a connection, that relaxed eye contact is really like that can be even beautiful eye gazing together. And what about quietness? So with dissociation, for the reasons we talked about before, there's often quietness. With true relaxation, then there might be a quietness or there might be, if they've already, if they've been laughing a lot, or they've been crying with our loving support. You might be hearing some sighs as they move out of that releasing process and uh, into sleep. So again, a bit different between the two. So how can these differences affect sleep anyway? Well, basically... When a baby or child is really truly relaxed they can generally sleep until they really are hungry or they've had enough sleep or there's some other need that bubbles up to wake them up. What it generally will also mean is the more relaxed they are is that you can make noise around them and they don't really wake up or if you move them from one place to the next they won't tend to wake up either because they're relaxed in their bodies they stay in that sleep state and they tend to move around less when they're sleeping and again that relaxation that we talked about whereas if there was mild dissociation so if in a way we've bypassed the feelings supported them to move into this mild dissociation Remember, the feelings are still sitting there in their bodies. The tension, the accumulated tension, the mobilized tension is still there sitting in their bodies. So what will often happen then is it means that if they're moved, they can quite easily wake up again. Or if there's some noise, they can quite easily wake up again. It's not this level of quality of deep relaxation. There's this sense of this tension sitting underneath. They might also tend to be more likely to wake up when they move into lighter sleep. Really because those feelings, that stress, are still sitting in their bodies. that They were just bypassed. They're still sitting in their bodies, ready to come up. That relaxation response is also trying to operate. So if the baby or child is mildly dissociating when we help them go to sleep... If that's not related to our bodies, they might then just start doing that thing again. So they might start sucking their thumb again or they might find the dummy or they might clutch onto the soft toy or the blanket and go back to sleep again. But if it's more related to our bodies, we're doing something to help them dissociate, then usually we will need to do something to them again. So we will need to help them again just bypass the feelings that are sitting there in the bodies to help them move back into that sleep state again. So I wonder if any of this resonates with you and as always if you know my work already, you know I have complete and unconditional love for everybody and anybody who helps their baby or child dissociate from their feelings to help them go to sleep. We've grown up in a culture where that is just the norm and like of course, <laughs> It's just, uh, of course, of course. And what I love about aware parenting is there's, there's no have-tos in my way of seeing it. And it's really about exploring this. And I'm going to go back to what I say a million times, which is, does this resonate with you, this information? And if it does, would you like to do your own research project in relation to this? Would you like to hold in mind all of these differences between mild dissociation and true relaxation would you like to observe if your baby or child does appear to be trying to either play and laugh before bed or cry and rage before bed are you willing to refrain from doing the things you might have done to distract them from that process and to join in instead whether that's joining in with their play or listening to their feelings with your loving presence, and then to observe always, always observe. Always stop if you feel unsure or uncomfortable, or you think they have an unmet need. Please listen to yourself, most of all. Please observe them. But to do that research project and to see, ah, am I noticing these differences? Are they more relaxed in their bodies? Do I really notice a difference in the tension in their muscles? And there's much less. Are they just clearly more deeply relaxed, and so there can be noise around them while they're sleeping, and that they stay asleep, and that they just their faces look more relaxed, and their hands look more relaxed, and they just look more relaxed whilst they're sleeping. Does that resonate with you? Is that what you experience? And what I want to remind you again as well: dissociations can be quite pleasant, and It's never too late to listen to the feelings that we might have been supporting or encouraging our baby or child to repress or dissociate from. So whatever we've done in the past, it's never too late to do something different and to really work with these incredibly powerful relaxation responses. And the more we really understand the difference between mild dissociation and true relaxation the more we can observe clearly we can see how differently they feel how the difference in the daytime as well Uh, the more relaxed they are often means more smiling and is they're happier and they concentrate for longer and they want to connect more and they cuddle up more and there's lots of clear things that we can observe. And again, that's what I love about Aware Parenting. And if you're not observing any difference and you are doing this, I would invite you to pause straight away and not do any more. If you're not seeing any enjoyable differences, to pause. Go back to the drawing board, see, perhaps if you'd like some support from an Aware Parenting instructor. Because your baby is communicating so much about how much tension they're holding in their bodies, how many accumulated feelings they're holding in their bodies. And sleep is one of the core places where it shows up the most. It's As I shared before, it's really the ultimate emotional and physical barometer. But basically the idea being the more we do understand this, the more we are able to differentiate the two, the more we are able to join in with their laughter and play, join in by supporting lovingly. They're crying and raging so that they know they are completely safe in the present. They can express lots of their big feelings. The more relaxed they feel, the more that helps them sleep. Peacefully and restoratively, in a way that sleep is really designed to, really refresh all the systems and to to give that beautiful state of awakeness for the new day, full of energy and. It's that beautiful, you know how you feel when you've had a lovely, been relaxed and you've had a lovely restful sleep and just how enjoyable that state is. It's so, so yummy, isn't it? And being able to support our babies and children to experience that quality of sleep more often is so delicious. So I wonder how this has been for you. I wonder if any of this has resonated, if you've had any aha moments. And as always, if you would like to learn more about sleep from an aware parenting perspective, if you haven't listened to the other episodes in this sleep series, I invite you to go back and listen to those. I have a number of articles on my website as well, which is marianrose.net you might want to sign up to my newsletter so that you're getting regular emails about this and my sound sleep and secure attachment with aware parenting course version 2.0 really is coming very very soon i'm putting some finishing touches to it so that will be out soon if you would really like some support with this i'm really excited about it and yeah again you might want to Sign up to my list if you'd like to be notified when it's out, which will be very soon. Ah. (laughs) Well, I'm so willing for you and your lovely and your lovelies if you have multiple to be having more relaxed sleep I'm so willing for everyone to receive more relaxed sleep because it's such a beautiful and gorgeous thing it makes such a difference for us in how we feel in our day-to-day lives and the kind of consciousness that we're in and I'm just willing for more of that for you in whatever shape or form that shows up I am so enjoying this sleep series. I invite you to come back and listen to the next few episodes. And I so look forward to connecting with you again then.